Hey everybody, welcome to A Lot of Things. I'm Carl Sardella, your host. This is a video games entertainment podcast, and guess what? It's not just me anymore. I'm going to have guests again. Crowd goes wild, insert crowd in post. Oh, I, I just made myself do more work. Anywho, my guest today is a good friend. Oh, and I'm not sure what I should call him, because he has a name that is his brand name, and then he has a name name. So I'll, I'll let him introduce himself. Here is Mysterious Guest. Hello. My name is January Anon. Um, I am a uh, fellow content creator, uh, nerd, gamer, beer enthusiast, mixologist, and uh, I'm here to talk about some video games. Well, that sounds perfect because I want to talk about video games, and we have a couple big ones to talk about. But before we get started, um, did you see my videos on Twitter about the um, Carve snowboarding game? I didn't. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Here's the deal. It's virtual reality snowboarding. And when you say that, like, right off the bat, I'm like, well, I'm going to get dizzy and fall over. Like, I don't want to do it. Yeah. I think most people would say that. Yeah, any VR makes me nauseous. It can. Yeah, it can. And then this is like going down a hill and a snowboard. Yeah. I'm here to report that I will talk about it again on the So Video Games podcast, but right now my first impressions are it's so fun. I didn't get a lick of sick. There we go. And yeah, it's like, it's so weird. Like whatever magic science they did behind their VR programming, it just works. It just feels fun. And you're surprised that you don't feel like a huge sensation of going down the hill, mm-hmm. but you feel enough of it to have like a video game fun. Well, Does that I make mean, sense? so I, I, that's a great segue to talk about fun because mm. uh, a couple of the games we're going to be talking about, that is their, their main, uh, that is their main goal, even if they achieve it in different and sometimes unique ways. If you're a fan of um, not necessarily VR, but, you know, trick, trick games, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, S clones, yep. I don't know if you've heard of uh, Wave Break that I they haven't. just did. Um, I think it's in open beta right now. It is a PvP Tony Hawk's Pro Skater clone where you play as these fluffy animals that do tricks off their speedboats. What? And you can get guns and you have to aim with it. And you can, there's a, a, an amazing park builder. Oh my goodness. Um, and it's cult, it's all 80s themes, like very, very neon, lots of like Vice City-esque, but it's all these little stuffed animal-looking creatures doing big tricks off a boat. That seems so cool. And it actually reminds me, like way back tangent, is uh, uh, on the PlayStation 1, there's this game called, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget it was called. You were like running. You were animals, an- animal, anamorphic, is how you say it? Mm-hmm. Animals, and you were running, and it was like a racing game, but you were running. Interesting. We should look that up. I forgot what it's called. Yeah, come to check it but out. But I, I love all that stuff. That seems really cool. Yeah. I've never even thought of something like that. And PvP too. That seems fun. Yeah, and they like it's got a scoring system. It's got a killer soundtrack. They put a ton of work into making sure that the music's good. Um, very retro, very like synth heavy. Just honestly, a really good time. Bright colors everywhere. I just you wave break. Wave break. Okay, wave break. so right at the beginning of the podcast, here you go, listeners. Two games for you to check out. Wave Break and Carve Snowboarding. Uh, one of them's in VR, but don't be worried. It's like fine. Sold. I'm going to try it. I'm going to try okay, it. Okay, good. Uh, and I'm playing it on the Oculus Quest uh, 2 is where I'm playing it. 
So let's get into the two games we want to talk about today, and I'm excited to talk about both of them. The first one I think we'll start with is the one I have the least amount of information. That's fine. That's fine. Because I played it for the least amount of time, which we'll get into. <laughs> it was It's this game called SnowRunner, which, quick history lesson, this company, I didn't do my homework. Who's the developer? Do you know? You could Google I, it. I'd have to Google it real fast. We'll Google. Uh, yeah. But whoever that developer is, they make many of these games, right? Dirt Runner, Mud Runner, Tree Runner. I don't know. How many runners are there? There's a I lot. Think, I, I want to say this is number three, but okay. don't quote me on that. It's two, uh, two, it's, I, two I know, but maybe three. There's at least one in the mud. I think one's mm -hmm. called Mud Runner. Um, and the whole idea of these games is you have big vehicles, and you have to you know, get through the crazy terrain, and it's like using real-time physics, and you've got to basically you know, do like different types of uh, missions, like pull things out of yeah. the mud or drag huge like U-Hauls for a far distance or just try to even traverse the land, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's essentially a 3D Explorer fetch quest driving sim RPG. Oh, you said it much better. There you go. That's perfect. I mean, it's you get you get it's an open world. You get quests. Whether you don't get armor or anything, but you can buy bigger tires, which give you better, better stats, which help you get into deeper mud. Then you can upgrade your winch to pull out stronger things. Then you can, uh, um, you know, get a better engine so your truck is stronger. You can get heavier trucks. I think at some point in time you end up with these six wheeled kind of like mini tanks, and Whoa. you can basically just go like straight up a cliff. Wow. Yeah, it's like that. Like you are progressing in this game, so that yeah, is happening. And yeah. the, you know, um, one of the funny things is I, I they call it Snow Runner, but like the first two maps don't have any snow. I know. I saw that. <laughs> I, I started the game. and I was like, "This is summertime. What's yeah, going you, on?" Uh, and then you end up like I think you start in Maine, then you have like uh, somewhere in like southern Canada, I think, and then you end up like in Alaska. And different mm. parts, like more higher altitude, where snow becomes a bigger issue. One of the reasons, and it makes sense, because um, it is a simulation game. And I think most people have experience, at least if you live anywhere somewhat north, of at least driving on compact snow. You do got to mm -hmm. be careful. It is scary. It can turn into ice. But driving on completely fresh, unpacked snow is a completely different ball game. You have no idea what's under there. It could be three inches of ice. It could be gravel. It could be literally nothing, and you're now having an avalanche. So it does introduce this progression in a way that is kind of interesting. And it lets you, if you play long enough, it actually lets you unlock maps before you're really ready to go there. So right. you can go get stuck and be like, okay, so now I know I need to go back. I need to get a better truck. I need to get more traction and try I it like, again. I like a lot of the ideas that this presents, and I like simulation. I like physics. And obviously, I like open worlds, uh, mm -hmm. if you've listened to any of my podcasts ever. But my biggest problem was, just real quick jump cut to me trying the game, was I couldn't leave my house. Mm -hmm. Like, I had a regular truck that supposedly this person, whoever I'm playing, lived in, and I'm sure went to his house and left his house and, you know, did normal things out in the real world. But for some reason, I couldn't even leave the freaking driveway. Right, it like is, it, it's a little too much. It is one of the slowest games I've ever played in my entire life. Yeah, but it just just let me get out the driveway, <laughs> right? Yeah. Well, because here's the thing: like I like uh, Death Stranding. You know, mm -hmm. um, did you ever play that? 
I haven't. I, I did watch a couple playthroughs. For some reason, I thought it was kind of funny. I was I saw that game because uh, we talked about it somewhat recently because I know you were a big fan, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but, I saw some playthroughs and I was like, oh, no, that game's too slow for me. And then now here I am. <laughs> you're playing even slower games. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I should say, I, I, I preface that with a but because I enjoyed it, but then at some point I needed to like be done with it mm-hmm. because it's very novel and unique and it is this kind of game where you're just trying to get through the terrain. But you have this, you know, you're a third-person character, mm-hmm. and you can run and jump and do these different types of moves. And again, there's there's ability to go forward at all times. Mm-hmm. And in this kind of game, there might not even be that. Like, yeah, I might yeah. not even be able to leave the driveway. So it's I know what it's trying to do, and it's saying, like, hey, learn all these systems early, even in the driveway. Yeah. But I just I didn't have the patience. Yeah, and it's, it's a lot to ask. And, I mean, that'll... Make sure you bring that up when we talk about our, our next game because that is another that is actually a fault of both of these games. Oh, is interesting! How long it takes you because if you don't know what to do in Snowrunner, it, it's just kind of like, all right, now yeah, what? yeah, and it asks a lot of a first time player to do to get into a game. And I don't I don't know, man. I, I think with how busy people are, with how much time I know, you've got multiple projects going. I've got multiple projects going. It is. Uh, a lot to ask somebody to wait an hour, two hours to start enjoying your video game. Right. I don't think that's fair. That kind of happened in Death Stranding too. I remember mm. Brad and I were playing it, and we were like, w- "When do we get to, you know, like feel better about walking?" <laughs> and the, the real answer was never. But mm. you do actually like get vehicles later on, mm. and that's that progression stuff. And so at times, I guess the answer really isn't never. It is like after you do enough stuff to to build up your character, but you'd always still feel a little danger, which is mm-hmm. you know part of the game. Uh, and I think the difference there is, and this is, a, I, I think, a huge uh, factor, and tell me if I'm wrong because I didn't play it long enough, but with Death Stranding, you got cutscenes. Mm-hmm. With Death Stranding, you got little story bits well, that helped. You actually in. have a character. There is no characters in... Right. ...in... Uh, SnowRunner, you play a faceless, nameless person. I, there might be a name for all I know, who drives truck, and there's no dialogue. It is very, very austere, yeah. and there's basically no story. It is, it is a, it is a multi-tiered uh, simulation. It is a simulation game that happens to have quests, not yeah. a quests game that is a simulation. Again, if some people like that, that's awesome. More power to them. I just, I had, like you said, very little time, and um, I couldn't get out of the driveway. So I was like, man. And then I watched videos of you doing, like, immaculate, you know, crazy yeah. things. And, I mean, it, it got to the point, like, so I, I am born and raised small town. Driving was a form of entertainment for us. Um, so getting stuck in the mud, going into the mountains, going down highways, that was just, that was a, that was a Thursday afternoon. It wasn't, you know, anything special. Um, so to me, it kind of, uh, it has a bit of nostalgia to it. Mm. Um, and at the same time, um, they recently released the hard mode, which, um, ups the ante. Um, jeez. <laughs> and at the same time, everything costs more, I think, um, including gas. And at the same time, if you get stuck, it costs a lot of money to get your car unstuck. Which means you can run out of money and not, and you have to destroy the save file because you're done. Destroy the whole game. Yep, the like save that's file. It's over. You're done. Oh my goodness! The, I've noticed. I think the second your car flips, the game auto saves. So you can't even. You, so I guess you could probably save, save scum it if you really wanted to, but yeah. it would take effort. 
Wow, that's crazy. That's like permadeath in like yep. other RPGs or something. Yeah, and so that's what I decided to do. And that's so the, the clips you saw me post, um, or the clip one, uh, I, I kind of actually started it as a joke where uh, I remember doing it when I played it back in, uh, I want to say it came out in 2019. So hmm, it's been out maybe. a little while. Um, and uh, I was like, I want to know how far I can get with the base truck. So I started going and I realized that there are just some things, actually most things, the base truck just cannot do. But there are two for like two upgrades you can unlock on the map if you can get to them. So I was like, okay, we'll start there. So I went to both of those spots, got those two upgrades, which is a lift kit and better tires. And I was like, all right, well, let's try it again. And there's this bog that this little truck is stuck in. And I kind of went out there and I was kind of yanking on it. And like... I just, I, I turned on some lo-fi and I just kind of got into this Zen zone. I kept, I tried to keep it in first person so I could kind of like see, you know, so Ooh, I kind of get into it yeah, and yeah, kind yeah. of enjoy it. Um, I did some third person to kind of get perspective, but I really tried to stay in first person as much as I could. And I just kind of hit this vibe and I was having a really good time. I just, I kind of forgot I was streaming there for a little bit. And then I look at chat and somebody who uh, likes this game and jumps around uh, is talking with a number of my my viewers about how how much hard mode in this game is hard and how nobody does it without mods. And I was like, oh yeah, I can see how that is. And they basically responded like, hey, you can't do that in this truck. It doesn't work. Oh, and, and you're for like, some reason I was yeah. like, all right, no, no, Let's no. I was go. like, I'm gonna get this truck out, and then I'm gonna get the other two out as well, which they get progressively harder. There are three on the map. This is the baby one. There's level two, and then like level three. And it took me, I condensed it down to a two minute clip, and the actual, it took me about 45 minutes to get it, maybe 40 feet, and that's when it gets out, and then it gets easy to kind of get from there. That's, I mean, you give yourself a challenge, or someone yeah. else gives you a challenge, and yeah, you're gonna go for it. Exactly. And we did, and then suddenly I realized like. People are really into this. They they're like, well, go try the next one. So I'm like, okay. So we go over and we we grab the next one, and that one took me two and a half hours to get Jeez it Louise. thirty feet, oh just to get it to where it can roll on its own. This uh, is making me feel like like Dark Souls or some yeah, other games. Yeah, so, like, and it's it's very much like this. So what happens is like you end up in a spot where you're like, okay, you think, you know, I'm trying to get it from point A to point B, so. I'll just line up in front of it. I'll wench it out. Oh, no, my my uh, my truck's getting pulled to it. It's too heavy. I can't do it. So, right, that's your, like, I'm going to run at the boss and just hit attack and hope for the best. Yeah. And then I was kind of, like, thinking, I was like, okay, so how can I use the terrain to my advantage? How can I, how can I help myself? Well, then I noticed if you pull it to the side, you can move it inch by inch if you pull it like the back tires, front tires, because mm. you can put your wench on different places of the vehicle. Right. So you don't have to just attach it to the front. And so I noticed I could kind of like, if you're like trying to get a dresser into a corner and you kind of like scoot it back and yeah, forth. Yeah, shimmy. Shimmy, I could like shimmy, shimmy it out there. Yeah. And then I also realized like there's a damage system. So if you roll over, if you hit things, it, t it damages your vehicle. But I noticed if you roll up to a tree and wedge yourself into a tree and then you're able to reach the wench to the vehicle you get all of that torque but it doesn't damage your vehicle so i basically progressively just wedged my truck in between trees and rocks oh to barely yank this thing out and i i adored it i i was like i was like i had so much fun it reminded me of like doing stupid things 
uh, when I was younger. And um, I ended up realizing I'm probably not going to keep doing it because I don't know. We had one good magical night. Let it die. Right, right, so right. So right. I did that third truck off stream. And it took me four and a half hours to get it 10 feet. I was like, okay, I can do this, but I don't have the time to do it. <laughs> I, I, can, I can do this, but I don't want to do this. Um, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, ju- I did kind of keep at it. And I, at about hour six, it was free. And I had to yank it down this hill. And it picked up speed, hit the back of my truck, and sent me flying off this hill. And I flipped and ran out of money, and I had to delete the save. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I tell you what, the SnowRunner and the Runner series, it's a vibe. Like like you described it, it's like a moment, and it's also sometimes maybe even just days yep. well, <laughs> in your case. I noticed I kind of got into a similar vibe to when I was playing Animal Crossing and, like, playing with the islands, removing, removing trees, kind of setting up pathways. Like, if you... Especially when you're doing it just for yourself, obviously, with the streaming element with other people, it kind of seems like, oh, you know, there's a whole much going on here. I got to be entertaining. But the absolute best content I did for that game was just zoning out, forgetting I was yeah. streaming, and just work at proving some nerd wrong. Yeah. And again, I, that, all the things you talked about make me feel like how I felt in uh, Death Stranding mm-hmm. a little bit, because it was just kind of like, you know, one whole play session, I was going to get a little bit of. of distance but not mm-hmm. a lot but i would also feel good and yeah i did zone out when i was like going up a huge hill you know mm-hmm. there's one time in death stranding where uh i if i had a bike finally and we have a bike you think that you're oh now you're fine mm-hmm. but you still have to drive over this crazy terrain mm-hmm. you know there's like still mud and and crap and i had all this like resources in my bike and i was like so close to the destination and then I don't know, some storm happened or some like there's actually some deep dark evil spirit kind of mm-hmm. thing that shows up at some point. And it showed up and it grabbed my bike. And it's like, no, that's my bike. And the bike <laughs> went sliding down the mud. And then I'm just sitting there with a bunch of mud on me and my bike's gone. And I was like, Why do I want to continue? Yeah. But I continued. But I continued just like you did. Mm-hmm. Because you want that, you want to just keep going and get Something accomplishment. I guess it's just part of an accomplishment as well. Um, yeah. And then the other part that sucked, though, ass, is one time I had that same bike. I was doing a pizza delivery because that's one of the things you do in mm-hmm. Death Stranding. And I literally went, you know, through hell and high water to get to the destination. I was like 20 feet from the destination. I hit a rock. I dropped the pizza. It ruined the pizza. The whole mission was over. Yeah. 20 yeah, feet from the whole thing after the whole. Ugh. And that's that, like, and I think. Um, in moments like that where your game is or where games are instantly broken down into tiny moments that suddenly become much higher in gravity um, over little things. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. When you can get some emotional investment out of your uh, your player, it's, uh, you know, those tiny victories start mattering. Yeah, it's just like with everything, you want people to feel something. Mm-hmm. You don't want them to feel nothing, right? They yeah. can feel mad at a game or happy mm-hmm. about a game. But, and I think both the games we just talked about, the Stranding and the Runner series, mm-hmm. do that. Um, so that's interesting. So uh, I'll ask you one more question, then we're going to move on to our second game. Okay. At any point in the Runner series, though, can you just drive, drive? Like, is there a, a flat road somewhere? Yeah, there c- are there are little towns, and there's, like, highways and, and stuff where you can actually just get up to speed and kind of go around. Okay. There are a number of... You end up getting a number of trucks that can't do any off-roading, and you've got to, like, get a trailer, and then you've got to do a 
kind of a highway run to deliver some goods. Okay, because I just want to make sure that this game actually takes place in the real world yeah, where there yeah. are roads you can drive on at some mm-hmm. point. Um, okay. But I will say they are, they are like, in the minority. Yeah, few and far between. Because yeah. you're in the woods, and that's the, po- the whole point mm-hmm. is the runner. Well, that is very interesting. Uh, if, you, if that sounds fun to you, listeners, then go check it out. It does. It definitely is a vibe. It definitely is uh, moments, like uh, like we were saying, and then you can just kind of enjoy those moments or yeah. be really mad at those moments. Yeah, I mean, and there's kind of the same. I, thing. And that kind of goes into it, right? Like, because you can push that too far. And I've had this with some, like, I know we mentioned Dark Souls because I kind of like compared. It. I was like, oh yeah, it's kind of like Dark Souls of driving game, which is like the generic journalism route. Yeah, where like. You can get to a point where something can be really hard and you can overcome it. And there are like one of two feelings. The, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just did that. I'm celebrating. And the, I'm so thankful that's over. Like, right. I'm just thankful that's over. And they're really close. And sometimes you experience both in the same game like I did. I've, I've had that as well. Uh, especially yeah, first in Dark Souls. Yeah, yeah. the first one is great when you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe I I did that. And you feel Mm -hmm. good about yourself, you know. Well, let's move on and talk about something else that has some sort of uh, a, like, I don't know if it's a skill curve or whatever it is, but it's something where you do, like you said, uh, need to know how the game works. Yes. And know, have an expectation about the game. So Mm -hmm. full disclosure, on the Soviet Against podcast, last episode, 234, which you can go listen to now, it'll be up by the time this podcast is up. I talked about Biomutant in the beginning stages of playing it. And I basically said that, which is a lot of reviews are out about, I think, people being upset with the game because they didn't think it was what what they wanted to be. But again, a lot of uh, gameplay and a lot of having fun with games is expectations and understanding what the type of game it is before you even get started. So I had a pretty clear understanding of this game because I've been following it for three years or something. And I knew the styling it was going to be. It's You basically play as a little furry creature who survived the uh, apocalypse that, of course, humans created. And there's a bunch of other animals on the planet, and you need to basically save the life, the world tree, I think is what it's called. Yep. Yeah. And it has, like, big bosses that are, uh, that are attacking the tree, of course, because of RPG-ness. And there's a bunch of factions that are also little furry monsters like you, creatures, and you can either align with them or uh, fight them. Yep. But in general, it's an action RPG. Mm-hmm. And I knew that by watching all the kind of developer diaries that it wasn't your traditional you know, action RPG. It was yeah, going to no. be more of a like, hey, just go around like uh, almost like a Ratchet & Clank, collect things. Mm-hmm. I call this kind of a Ratchet & Clank meets Fable yep. meets Horizon Zero Dawn. Mm-hmm. And, and in my mind, that was what it was always going to be. Just mm-hmm. like a fun world I go in, and maybe there's some comedy, and you know, then I'm going to just like upgrade my character. Right? Mm-hmm. Was that what you were expecting when you went in? Or, or? Uh, I actually, the when I remember, the last time I remember looking at Biomutant, I think it was uh, being teased alongside the Xbox Series X. And mm. I knew I wasn't getting one, so I was like, ah, I don't, I didn't follow. Like, I had to follow... Xbox releases scheduled due to my actual real life job, but I did not care about any games being released because I wasn't paying attention. And uh, so I thought it was going to be a console exclusive um, since okay. it was being sent along. So I didn't pay attention to it. Um, and then it wasn't until probably a week ago that I ended up seeing that it was getting a, a PC release simultaneously. 
and I started looking into it. Um, I fell in love with the cute little creatures right off the bat. Um, I loved how everything looked weird, ugly. Um, and <laughs> wait, we'll get... wait, explain ugly. Because you're not cool looking. You don't, right, I get it. Right, you yeah. don't look like some badass knight. Like you, you, you can kind of make your character bulky, and you can give yourself some elements of cool, but you're not this stereotypical, like good-looking creature. And some of the creature builds you can make are downright ugly. Yeah, you're right. They're straggly, or mm -hmm. is that the word? Yeah, they're like yeah. They're, plus, you're, they, you're they're mutated. you have the eye patch. Yeah, you're yeah, mutated, yeah. bio mutant. Um, you have the eye patch. You're straggly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. And I loved it. I was like, yes, give me that weird. Give me that silly. I want to know. Um, I, I remember seeing some of the combat, and I was like, you know, okay, so, you know, action kind of arcade style combat where you, you know, they tried to do some uh, Souls-like dodging and stuff like that, and, you know, you kind of have some combos you can do. I, I thought it looked pretty one-dimensional early, and surprise, it, it kind of is, but at no point was I ever excited about its combat. I saw the idea of this weird world being right. this weird little creature, scavenging through rubble, climbing up old buildings. Like that for me was the draw, and that's exactly what I got. And that's exactly why I liked it too, and yeah. still like it. You know, I'm still playing it, and I've, I plan on finishing it, and I'm glad you said it that way, because that is it. It's this weird, again, slightly comedic tone. Mm -hmm. You're, you're, they're talking about humans ending the world because of corporations. It's yep. a little too on the nose, like I, I said on the so Video Games podcast, about the you know save the planet kind yep. of vibe. Yep. Mm -hmm. So like calm that down a bit. Um, but in general, I like you know you are like a small creature too. So you're yeah. going through these cities and you're not like the same size as a chair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I thought yeah. that was so great. Like I'm exploring a, a, an abandoned town that I've explored in so many video games but from a different point of view. Yeah. And I mean, they're not huge cities, right? The rundown ones, they, they're not big. They're typically like a block and a half, two blocks. Mm -hmm. I think there are some bigger ones uh, further down. Um, and I, so it was kind of interesting. When I started like doing the like little puzzles, which we can get into whether or not they're good or bad, because um, I don't love, the game isn't perfect. There are some great criticisms that I've seen and that I personally have as well. But, when I was kind of like laughing at like some of the corporate propaganda or the narrator just, you know, being really, really silly, um, I was taken back to Fallout New Vegas. Mm, interesting. Um, in Fallout New Vegas, there is a perk you can choose that I'm pretty sure you can only choose it at level one. And it's called um, like the Wild Weird West or something like that. And it doesn't affect your character like stats at all. All it says is weird things happened out in the wilds. And Interesting. I don't remember this at all. Yeah, it's my. I get it every single time because you will find these weird oddities. You'll find these interesting little things. There's like a. Um, there's at one point an Indiana Jones reference where you find a whip and a hat and a skeleton in a um, in a uh, fridge. That sounds familiar. I think I did um, find that. You can, and like, you just find all these weird, and every time there's this weird little symbol that goes, when you when you walk <laughs> up in it. And I love those moments. And this goes back to moments. Um, I 
found myself having being really interested in jumping on every single little thing I could trying to sneak in. Um, and then another thing I love is I love opening chests and getting loot. I love bright colors. I, I like love the it. loot. It yeah. hits me. So I, my character only leveled up luck. I, I have not touched any stat other than luck. So I have like a 90 something percent magic find. So everything's gold, gold, orange, purple, you know, you name yeah, it. Yeah, someone it was telling me up. that I should have done that. That's a I, good idea. I don't know if it's good, but it's fun. Because it's just, yeah. they're always popping up, and they're always different colors. And it's just, you know, I enjoyed that. Maybe it's kind of loot boxy, but I mean, you know. No, no, no. I think to that um, point, I was going to say one of the positives I find is I generally don't like crafting in, in video games. Mm -hmm. I just want to find the chest with the best new two-headed mm -hmm. sword. I'm a melee guy all the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this one, I'm crafting. Like, like all the random shit I find... Like you said, it kind of feels exciting, and and they're they look so different. Yeah, like every weird piece is like a weird ass piece. Yeah, because like I've got like this, uh, like my character's got this flaming sword that it can use, and at the same time, it's kind of cool, but it is just a sword that's on fire. Versus, I have these two weapons. One is a pie roller, and okay. the the other is a plunger. And they do high damage. They're like really rare items for their slot. So I'm just like swinging this pie roller and, and like the crafting system like comes apart and it reminded me of Legos. And this mm. goes back into me thinking when I was a kid where all I had to do was stack like seven Legos, eight Legos into a gun. And I had a fully functional gun in my mind that I could then go and have some fun with as a kid or picking up a stick outside. And now I'm a knight and I'm running around here. And that's the kind of like nostalgia that mm. kind of hit me. And it started happening right around the dialogue. Um, because the dialogue in the game. Let's talk about the dialogue. Yeah. It's, okay. So that was a choice. And yeah. I knew, I knew, full disclosure, I got this game for free. I got a review copy early. I was playing it on, I think, the 22nd. So I had some, I had some, I had some time with it before release happened. I knew people were going to hate that. You're either going to love or you're going to hate that dialogue. And there is no right answer here. Um, with, I mean, if you want to explain how. The yeah, yeah. Works. The dialogue is basically the narrator from Fable. Like I yep. mentioned Fable earlier, but the only thing is, and the problem that I have with the game, I have like two main problems, and this is one of them, is that the narration never stops. So in the yep. very beginning, it makes sense because he's talking about the past. You actually do through uh, past cutscenes, and you do a lot of that kind of stuff. And it all makes sense because it's, you know, a pretty high mission objective to save the world. And his voice matches that kind of like grandiose, you know, nature of your quest. But then two things happen. One he talks for every character mm -hmm. you meet. So mm -hmm. every character just talks in like a Sims language. Yep. And then the narrator says it. And then secondly, he'll just like start talking randomly while you're walking around and it won't match what you're doing yeah. at all. And it'll just be like, this mission was really, really important. And I'm like jumping up some random tree. Yeah, or like, you know, uh, the sun comes out and he goes, oh, you can see more during the daytime or something. Oh, like thanks, that. thanks, guy. Yeah. So what I did is I'm turning it off. Mm -hmm. Like you just go into the settings and you all the dialogue is text, mm -hmm. right? And I have the captions up and I have the I can hear them do the weird little sounds. Mm -hmm. That's how I'm playing the game. Yep. But I've it's been rare that I've actually turned off a feature for a yeah. game. See, I love every second of it. Oh, you do? I have him on a hundred. He talks all the time and I love wow. every second of it. And there's a couple reasons why. One, to me, I get a David Attenborough 
vibe, like um, like I'm like okay. he's narrating a planet Earth, and so like I just like this idea, this guy with me as I'm going through these dumb little areas and these cute little missions and stuff like that. Like that spoke to me. I had a good time with that. It's interesting because um, I do like it. To your point, I really do like it. Like I'm not saying yeah. I don't like it. It's, it's just a lot. That it's a lot, and also an RPG, especially one that I might spend 20, 30 hours with. Um, I, w- I like being invested with the characters mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. other characters that I'm meeting seem really interesting, but I don't know what, who they are because the narrator mm-hmm. is being them. that, you know, was, uh, and that is like a completely good criticism. Cause like now every sentence takes twice as long if he's on mm-hmm. because they talk in like the kerbock, 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 and you said Sim's voice, and that's that's totally. Accurate. But I went to like Charlie Brown. Oh, mom, 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 mom. yeah, yeah. And to me, it was kind of interesting because I had that mix there, and um, then he comes in and he narrates, and you know, of course, he's got this relatively elegant sounding voice. He's got, of course, um, an accent. I think it's a Euro- it's a European game already, so I don't know if this was intentional or not to have somebody like him narrate the English version. But like, you know, so to hear this well-spoken, accented person who I imagine doing a nature documentary say mm-hmm. like, oh, go flight, go fight the fluffy monk and fight the twirly do. And like, I got taken back to, there's a poem called The Bandersnatch by Carol Lewis. And I don't know that. it is an English-based poem, but all of the nouns are, like, gibberish. Like, mm. it, it, there's so much gibberish in, un, like, completely random words that are just nonsense words thrown into this poem. And they talk exactly like, it sounds exactly like this dialogue. So having that connection to this poem that I appreciated as a young person, like, it just, it hit me yeah, I get it. In, a, in a way that, that being said, I'm around 30 hours in, and sometimes even I want him to wrap it up. <laughs> You're I'm, like, listen, uh, you had a special time with me. <laughs> I had this moment. I thought of this poem, but at the same time, maybe just not so much. Yeah, and that's why, even though I am enjoying the game, I can't recommend it at a thirty or at a full price game. Oh, interesting. Can do well, it. let's let's jump to a couple of things here at the end. Uh, yeah. the other kind of controversial or like. At least uh, letting people know before they start the game kind of points. The first thing is you fight these big bosses, but instead of your main character, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're further in the game than I am, but it seems like you create these mech suits suits, Mm -hmm. to fight the monsters that are these mini bosses, essentially. They are all a mixture of using the combat in the game and some sort of... uh, some kind of uh, um, vehicle-based um, combat, like unique Right, combat. they're not all the same thing, but they're yeah. like something you're building. Yeah, like so one you fight on the jet ski for the first segment. I think another one you do in a, in a submarine, another you do I think on the mech. Okay, they are quite different then. I, I, I haven't done the other fights. I've only done a couple, um, and you do one that's like you kind of swim around and you kind of do attacks. I don't want to spoil too much, but you know the jet ski has a very unique way of doing it that uh, is kind of a fun because like it, it does kind of tie into some things you've seen around the map, which I think is kind of cool. But then it goes into a kind of more traditional style combat system, which you'd expect from oh, a okay. boss fighting. 
See, that's um, good for you to, to tell me, yeah. to, for me to continue, and also our listeners. But, like, because when I first see the like, the first one I actually came to, because in this game, you can go anywhere you want. Yep. A lot of the games say that you can do that, but this one you can be like, as I'm about you to tell you, go. go to a totally different area the first time, and my first world eater type uh, creating something, you know, to fight it was the mech. Mm-hmm. That was the first thing that I, I did. And I was like, oh, are they all going to be mechs? Mm-hmm. Because I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, and I think it actually is good to set expectation that, like you told everybody just now, mm-hmm. it's not just that. Yeah. Um, but I think that's pretty interesting. And especially that you can still utilize your character that you're building up near the end of the game as well. Yeah, Because definitely. that's important, you know. Definitely. Um, and the other thing was, in general, like the combat I like, I, I, yeah. I think it is a little loosey-goosey. Um, it doesn't feel like as solid or tactile, tactile, tactile. Nope. Mm-hmm. Don't know what the word is. I'm trying to do. Um, it just feels like uh, floaty. Yeah, it's it's very like, and it's very like, so it's very loose. So you have a you have a, a parry, and it's a very generous window when you parry. Like if you hit that button in this time same with the dodge as well the slow-mo time dodge i love they the are dodge. generous windows yeah versus something like um your your souls game which we, you know we can i guess we'll shoehorn souls into every single game we talk oh, about jeez let's not uh you know <laughs> the dodging is like you know kind of a hallmark of like you know tight iframes tight attacks small hitboxes that kind of move around um but in this one, it, things are wide. Things are a bit different. But you're also, you know, a mutant cat that's jumping and dodging and running around, fighting a, fighting a giant lizard wearing a onesie. Like, yeah. you know, what I do can, you want? I can give, I can give <laughs> it a break. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not um, even like, I'm not even judging it on that. I'm just yeah. like, it is almost adding to the thing that we said in the beginning of its uniqueness, mm-hmm. right? Like, I can't think of another game besides like an arcadey type game mm-hmm. that has this combat. Because yeah. even to that point, a lot of the actions are spelt out in like 60s or 70s era Batman. Exactly. Yeah. The it's comic like, book kind of boom, crit, bam, wham. Yeah. And I, yeah, again, and I, that's stuff that I enjoyed. I know a lot of me people too. Says me too. It, it took them out of the combat, but I don't know. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff I like. I really liked it too because again, when have we done this? Like mm-hmm. I, I play every game and I haven't had that experience. And also, I love slow motion, especially when you finished like the last person in that mm-hmm. area, and it does that. So every time I take out whatever camp or something I'm doing, and it's the last enemy, and he goes mm-hmm. flying in slow motion, amazing. Yeah. Another cool thing that people should know about is, like you said, the weird thing from Fallout New Vegas. There's many unusual things that happen that you aren't expecting in this game. One, mm-hmm. I'll give you an example, is I'm sure you've seen this, but there's this huge monster, and I'm like, oh, he's got so many hit points, it's going to take forever to fight him. And he's holding on this huge missile in his hand. Yeah. So I shot the missile. And he all flies. All of a sudden, he flies in around. In the air, and yeah. And he explodes. Yeah. And I had, I had to shoot him like two times because yeah. I shot the missile. So smart. Yeah, you know? it's just cute. Um, it's cute. And it, it's like... You know, it's and I, I described it to a friend, and they 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 were like, I was talk, I was in a group chat, and I was like, oh yeah, I, it's got this childlikeness to it that I just love, and he asked me to elaborate. And I'm like, yeah, because that's totally something that would happen in a kid's mind. You they're holding a missile for a weapon, and if you shoot it, it goes off, and you know right. they move around, and then it, what? Um, there are also doors that you can open with certain missiles. You go up and you can use the missile and it launches you up into the air and you do like a wily e. coyote. It like spins around. That's before, right. I did that. Yeah, yeah. Before yeah. coming straight back down and opening the door, you know, like there's just this like, just this total like 
pure wild imagination that happens. And to me, you know, there's this uh, there's this llama creature that you can actually ride like a horse. I've and seen videos of that. Yeah, it's all black, and it's just got these two white eyes and like this big grin, this grin like big face. And somebody like came into my uh, my stream and asked me if they'd like this game. And I, I walked up and I put the, the face of that thing right in, in front of the camera. And I said, if you look at this and you're like, I want a pet and ride that, then you're going to like the game. But if you nice. look at that and you go, what the fuck is that? What kind of idiot put that in a game? It right, ain't for you. Right. You know, it's funny. It reminded me when you said like a childlike, I think. It, it does have that sense because at some point there's like this huge fist. Like you mm -hmm. just put like a huge like uh, glove that looks like a fist on and you just like are blasting through walls yep. because that's yep. what a, a little kid would probably want to do. Mm -hmm. So anyways, I, I like this game. I'm definitely recommended it. I, you know, I, I kind of throw it in the kind of seven to eight out of 10 range. I don't yep. do numbers, but it's just like really fun. Um, so far I've said this game is super okay. Super okay. That's I'm, I'm with that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I think at times it, 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 it goes past that. Yeah, I really do, definitely. you know, because like sometimes in the open world, the rain comes down mm -hmm. and it's it's done pretty well. Like, yeah, it's not PS5 graphics. I'm playing mm -hmm. on my PS4. It's not like next gen graphics, mm -hmm. I don't think, but it's still done so well artistically. Yeah. Like they really um, believe their world. They, they had like a style sheet, you mm -hmm. know, like here's what this world's going to look like and the monsters and the weather. Mm -hmm. And I just get lost when I'm out there. And I, again, feel like I'm playing a Fable game. Yep. I, I, I went back to Fable a lot. The The main thing is, like, I, I do kind of wish there was a bit more variation in the enemies. Um, I Some of the quests do get a bit repetitive. And the tutorial had no right to be that long. It just, I think so oh, many all people... all the past, all the jumping yeah. to the past, yeah. It was, I mean, it was like, like this goes back to, I think it was an hour and a half long tutorial if you really just sit there and take your time. And I mean, even once you're out, you still have to like choose a side and that still kind of like is a very, like it just took so long for you to just go to a town, you yeah. get your little checklist where you're like, oh, there's some loot here. I really want to find that loot. And I want to, you know, pee on the the signs to mark my territory so I can teleport here later. Like, right. To get to those weird little moments where you're not, you don't think you're trying to play an RPG and you're just being this weird little creature. It takes so long. And again, people don't have the time. We're in a world yeah. where you can download Fortnite in five minutes. And once you hit play, you are in a game in less than 10 minutes yeah you're killing people you're fighting people you're building and this goes for almost all of the free to play games there are so many games warzone if you have the 200 gigs it takes to keep that game if you hit play you're in a game falling picking up guns running around looting in like five and a half minutes and yeah the, and that rewards people's time and unfortunately time is a is a is a valuable asset these days yeah i agree with you and i think that the and if i don't know if this could be a patch if they would do that when it comes to a one-player game i'm not sure but if that game what's interesting the game starts where you're like in a dungeon and you come out into the world which is so like traditional mm -hmm. rpg yep. right skyrim etc yep and i thought at that point it was going to do what you just said where i'm going to be like oh where do i go now Nope. But no, it had the the chains on me still, and I was still going to have to go through a bunch of cutscenes and past mm -hmm. stuff. 
Well, if it just did that, like you said, and I was peeing on signs right away, and mm-hmm. I was going and finding the mech suit and going like, what? There's mechs in this game? Mm-hmm. I think it would win over a lot more people. I think, I think it would, too. Uh, I know that it's kind of fun with you know bringing up Fallout here. Both Fallout 3 and Fallout 4 have these really long intros that if you play on PC, you can patch them out. You can oh, just start right when you leave the vault. Right. And it turns out they're much better experiences, especially for the first time, because nobody really plays it for the main story anyway. I like exploring those worlds. Sure, you know, I'll go find my dad or my son, whoever whoever I'm supposed to find eventually anyway. At some point. <laughs> At some point, yeah. And I've yeah. done a little bit of the main quests in this. Like I said, I kind of I wanted to experience what the world leaders looked like. I kind of wanted to experience what one of the factions looked like. But the rest of it, I'm like, dude, I'm trying to fight, get my luck up, and I want to find rare items. I want to find secrets. You know, I want to yeah. find cute little things. Like I found, um, I found like this... Uh, fire pit with just a bunch of uh cat skeletons praying around it like and you can't even interact with it i don't think i think you just i was like all right cool yeah. I lo- that's the kind that's the kind of stuff i like or there's like um you know it, it didn't end up being anything special like there were just a few items in there but it was like a waffle factory and like right you know right. like just kind of cute interesting things to kind of look at i like seeing how they've made the world fall apart um and, uh, you know, there's so many different little islands, especially on the uh, the eastern part of the map where it gets open up into the water. And it, it is really well broken up into these, like, very different biomes yeah. that have uh, their own things going on. It's just you end up doing a lot of the same things regardless of what biome you're in. Which, going back to the earlier point of Mudrunner and SnowRunner, maybe you're in the mode that's, for that. That was what I liked, and that's what I needed. Yeah. Like and I'm still am us talking about it on this podcast makes me as soon as we're done wanting to go play it yeah because it is that thing of like I just want a couple more things I want to find some more locations and what's interesting the last thing I just made I'm very excited about because I haven't got to use it much but it was a melee weapon two handed some sort of bat with a hammer mm-hmm. with some weird you know uh, grip and it has a saw blade at the end of it yep and it did like 600 damage or something mm-hmm. crazy and I was like okay I need to just go use that for a while yeah I just want to hit some things with it yeah yeah yeah. Just- and that's, so yeah. that's uh, January and I both uh, and on both saying, uh, check out this game. It's like yep. cooler than people are giving it credit for. Yeah, uh, buddy, where can people find you on the internet? On your streams, you're all over the place. Yeah, um, every every platform that you want to think of, I'm there as January and on all one word, from Twitch to Twitter to Insta. just Google it. Basically, just, go- just Google it. Yeah, just Google it. All right, and I'm, of course, youtube.com slash a lot of things. Thank you for being here, and uh, we'll have you back on, and we'll, maybe we'll talk at the end of Biomutant and see, talk yeah. about the ending of it. All right, I'd love to. Because we're going we're gonna to finish it. Damn. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll be around it. Okay. Thanks, ma'am. Yep, bye. Bye.